Cause it's Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? It is Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jason Wright Show. Best Friday ever. I was not here last Friday. I was traveling, taking care of my daughter, Abby, who is on the mend from a torn ACL. So I'm sorry. I actually was. I had every intention of going ahead and doing the Best Friday ever from Boulder, Colorado, but I did not. However, there is some good footage from that trip. If you want to go to Jason right now, my Instagram, you will see the snow bath that I took the whole uh, every day, every morning that I was there. There was snow on the ground, um, and probably embarrassed my daughter. It didn't traumatize her because my daughters have come to just realize their dad's kind of weird. I'm kind of weird, and you know I can live with that. Before we get started, I want to tell you, and those of you watching on the YouTube channel, look. See this little green and white? Let me see if I can get that in the camera. You see that little green and white container right there that says Pure HMO Prebiotic Powder from Layer Origin Nutrition? You got to check this stuff out. Look, here's the deal. If you want to manage your body fat, if you want to strengthen your immune system, if you want to use your nutrients much more efficiently, then you got to straighten out this ecosystem, this microbiome that is your gut microbiome. This is the colony where all of these good little bacteria grow and they decide how to use your food properly and, and, and keep you healthy, keep you using, like you're making sure that all the calories that you bring in are actually going to use as energy and not just stored as fat. There's so many benefits to this. Real quick, folks, I am going to put my phone on airplane because I can almost guarantee you, now that I have started the podcast, someone will call. Someone will call. Probably somebody that I haven't heard from in 20 years. They'll decide right now. The, the universe will just go, hey, you should call Jason Wright. Now's the perfect time because he's doing his podcast. Well, I wanted to talk to you. And it's, it's kind of interesting that I started out today. Oh, 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 one more thing. So, John Marksberry, a listener of the show and a friend, he actually asked me about my last tea that I was drinking, my hot tea that I was drinking in the last episode of the Best Friday Ever, and today I'm drinking something different. Now I'm drinking the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Elixir with Lion's Mane. All right, so if you have listened to the show or followed any of my content for any period of time, you know I'm a big Four Sigmatic fan. I love the shrooms. I love the shroom coffee, but I had never tried the Mushroom Elixir as a hot tea, and you can do whatever you want with um, these elixirs and powders. Like I, I have put each of them, the coffee and and the elixir, in my uh, shakes. So don't think that to get the benefits of the lion's mane with chaga that you have to either put it in coffee. Let's say if you're a, not a coffee drinker, you think, well, that doesn't uh, that doesn't benefit me. No, you can put it in a shake. But 
I have mentioned before that I want to start drinking more hot tea because let's face it, I've had plenty of coffee this morning and generally what I would do is I would go make myself another cup of coffee before I started the podcast to have, but now I've started with some sort of hot tea, but I don't like hot tea. I don't like, I mean, I, I drink matcha green tea because it's good for you. And I do try to consume some some tea, some hot tea, some green teas as well, some whites and others. Uh, but I don't really like it. I just don't. And but I am digging the mushroom tea. I so far I am really crushing it on the mushroom tea. And this is the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Elixir with Lion's Mane. Here it is again. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, there's the box. Go to Four Sigmatic. Check them out. Good stuff. Good for you. And this one is to help your your brain. Oops, sorry about that. Help your brain. Help you think better. And Lord knows I need all the help I can get. So it's been a great week. Okay, I want to get into what has happened this week. So it was a great week of interviews. This is what we've got coming up on the Jason Wright Show. First, I've got Craig Lewin, who is the CEO of MyFitnessStore.com. And the cool thing about Craig's story is it's not just about his business and the, the company that he runs and his now, I guess, close to 30-year career in the health and fitness equipment space, but it's also about his battle with anxiety. We really went deep into the weeds with his overcoming uh, a lot of like panic attacks and some really, really, uh, you know, kind of some big strongholds he had in his life and how he used fitness and wellness to help uh, alleviate a lot of that. So that was an incredible conversation. Then I actually got to sit down with my buddy, Rob Howe, who is the host of the podcast, Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, cool guy, a huge advocate for those who have type 1 diabetes, uh, as you all probably know if you've listened to the show at all, I have a daughter, the same one, that busted the ACL up in Boulder. She also was diagnosed in 2017 with type 1 diabetes, so it's near and dear to my heart. Rob, he also has type 1 di diabetes. He has been a professional basketball player. He owns a creative marketing firm. He's an incredible content creator and just a good dude, and, he, and we kind of build this like the random show because he and I get together and we're both kind of self-improvement junkies. We both are into Peter Atia and Tim Ferriss and Aubrey Marcus and fill in the blank. You, all these guys that are really coming up with great strategies and biohacks and all these things for longevity, better health and wellness, better thinking. So we just kind of riffed on a lot of that. But then we, as for any of you who have seen my, I posted, I guess it was like about a week ago, I was looking for an expert on cryptocurrency. I want to better understand it, but also I've been getting asked a lot of questions lately about crypto and NFTs and, and all these different, uh, and you know, a digital wallet, what it, or are these things? And so Rob had seen that. And so we end up talking a lot in that conversation about NFTs, where they're going, what's, what's their main utility value and why we think, or why he thinks that they are a, a very, very prominent uh, force coming in, in in the future. So you'll definitely want to check that out. And then I also interviewed Tim Karen, who is, has a book coming out called Strength Deficit, where he goes into some of the benefits and the, the power of using eccentric strength or, or eccentric work to build and develop uh, muscular fitness. This guy is a stud. He is a former strength and conditioning coach for uh, Army for uh, USC, for Georgia Tech. 
I mean, the guy is uh, uh, Ole Miss. I mean, he is the he is the expert in the, in the field of strength and conditioning, and he's got a book coming out that I cannot wait to get my hands on. But we had just a long conversation on, again, different hacks, different things that you can do to improve your overall health and, in particular, strength and conditioning without getting hurt. Uh, it was just a, a wide-ranging conversation. So those are three unbelievable episodes of the Jason Wright show that are coming up that I think you'll really enjoy. And then right now, if you haven't listened to the current episode uh, that I've got out with my buddy, Brandon Jones, who is the founder of Tyler Kung Fu and Fitness. Brandon is a master black belt in Kung Fu. He is a Sifu master. And I personally, I've thought about doing some martial arts. This is the year of the guitar. I'm learning to play the guitar this year. Thank you, Tim Woosley, my my instructor, who is uh, is being patient with me and bringing me along that journey. But one of the things that I've thought about, just as a matter of health and getting better, is maybe I should pursue some martial arts. And so the, uh, I decided, you know, I should sit down with Brandon and talk about this. And so I learned a lot about the history of martial arts, what a what a master and a grandmaster is. And just some of the techniques and cool things that uh, that kind of like you know okay so if this happens what do I do because it's not all about you know fighting a lot of uh, Brandon's teaching these days is on uh, self protection for for folks that just want to have something in their toolkit to know that if they are attacked if they're robbed whatever the case may be they're jumped that they have at least some sense of what to do to get away or to protect themselves and so it's a great conversation i was really excited about that all right so another announcement if you are interested in living and understanding my motto which is to improve always in all ways then get ready the 6 week vitruvian challenge is about to go live. I've already got the first beta cohort going through this. I think we've got 14 participants in that. And this is going to be six weeks of everything from mindfulness, habit formation, productivity, energy stewardship, and management. It is going to be an, a holistic approach. Now, look, it's six weeks. Each and It is going to go into a deep dive into immune-centric health. But understand something. It's only six weeks, and it's six weeks of different executionable and actionable practices and habits that you can develop to get yourself better into your journey of improving always and always. So with only six weeks, I know it's like only six weeks. Well, with only six weeks but one week per category or topic, there's no way you can just dive completely into those, into the depth that I would like to. But it's going to give you a good idea of how to plan your day, how to start a carpe diem lifestyle where you wake up every day with a purpose and a mission, where you start to understand the power of breath and how to breathe and how most people don't do it right. I I start to get introduce people to the basics of just mindfulness taking control of your brain, starting to manage the neurochemicals and create a neurochemical cocktail to make you feel better, to help you overcome depression or to give you that that little bit of focus when you need it. Talking about focus, I go into how you can create a a scenario in which you're able to 5X your productivity in a one-hour span. You know, you can actually do in one hour what it might take others 
five to do. I'm going to go into those things. A lot of people, they want to know, well, how do I, and, and look, and I'm going to get into this to do today with this article that I'm going to cover. Um, a lot of people that I know, when I, I did a survey before I launched the six-week challenge, and they were, most of the responses were they wanted to have better nutrition habits, which essentially probably means they want to lose weight, right? They want to know what to do to lose weight. And that's not what this is. It's not a weight loss program, but I'm going to tell you one of the greatest benefits, ancillary benefits, if you will, of an immune-centric eating protocol is going to be extreme weight management. You will manage your body fat, not just about, not just weight. You will start to manage inflammation, immunity, and your body fat will be in order. It will be commensurate to your body's type and your health in a way that it never has been before. And here's the cool thing. You are, when you go through and you understand the basics of this nutritional protocol, you will in fact be able to eat whatever you want. This is not a keto diet. Okay, this is not a South Beach diet. This is not a paleo. This is not a carnivore. It's not a diet. What this is, is a recolonization of your gut biome. So what is the gut biome? The gut biome is just an ecosystem, okay? That's all it is. It's an ecosystem of bacteria. And each bacteria is fed differently. And each bacteria has a different purpose. And what we're going to do is try to steer these macrophages that determine whether you have inflammation or you don't. And kind of who are the actual attack, the injury uh, macrophages and who are the cleanups. We're going to talk about those. And I know right now, man, I need to shut up because none of that makes sense to you if you haven't been through any of this, but I'm going to touch on those things. So at a minimum, if you sign up for the six week retrieving challenge, when we go through the immune centric health portion, you're going to listen to that and you're going to go through these and you're going to be like, okay, I get it. I understand why it's important to eat a hundred calories of macadamia nuts before I go crush some fajitas and what that, how that can help stabilize my glucose levels, and then lead to less stored fat. You'll learn how to do those things. You will learn what to eat before every bad meal and what to eat after the bad meal to make sure that the the bad meal doesn't have an adverse impact on your body. We're going to talk about those things. So it's not about avoiding foods and not eating and, and abrogating things from your diet. Instead, it's training your gut to be able to endure and process and actually use what it needs of what ever you put in it so it's a, it's it's going to be cool so check that out go to jasonrightnow.com and there's a little blue click for the six-week vitruvian challenge click on that there's a small application form that you can fill out look it's not extensive it's just some quick questions to make sure that this might be right for you so please go to jasonrightnow.com look and you'll see the six-week vitruvian challenge click on that and click apply so i'm going through I rarely read the news. I don't like to read the news because it's mostly crap. It's mostly stuff that's just going to make you feel bad about yourself. But let me pull this up here. Um, but every once in a while, I will get into the, uh, the the Apple News. I do subscribe to Apple News. And those of you watching on YouTube, forgive me because you're having to watch me scroll. But here it is. There was a these always get my attention whenever I, this was in the New Yorker. And it's an article entitled, Exercise is Good for You. The exercise industry may not be. Amid the marketing of unattainable physical ideals, it's easy to forget what made fitness fun. <sighs> I don't know about you, but I am I'm getting kind of fed up with articles like this. It seems like nearly all of these articles are anything, anyone that is promoting a healthy lifestyle that is promoting health and wellness 
if they do it with people that are actually healthy, then somehow they are shaming those who are not. Which is kind of weird. It's kind of like it's like it's kind of like saying that if you want to look like this, so so whatever this lady, this Margaret Talbot, who wrote this article, I guess these folks would be happier. And what you know, Peloton Peloton came under fire because they had the the guy that gave his wife the Peloton for I guess birthday or Christmas, I think it was, and somehow that was him t- shaming her that she needed to lose weight, which. Again, the, the, the world these people exist in, that they would watch a commercial like that and that's the conclusion they would make, God bless them. That's sad. I mean, I just look at it as, man, my wife gave me a Peloton for Christmas because I love health and wellness. And I was like, this is unbelievable. So in my mind, in my thinking, if someone's willing to give you a Peloton, if your spouse gives you a Peloton, it's a pretty cool spouse to, to, to be able to give you something like that and to want to do that. And by the way, is it such a bad thing if someone says, hey, I love you and I want you to live longer, and so therefore I'm going to give you something to help you with that. There's this idea, it seems, that the only reason anyone would pursue health and wellness is for vanity's sake. And it's, it's crazy because as I went through this article, This lady, this Margaret Talbot, goes all the way back to, I think, like the 1700s. She tries to kind of tee this up as some sort of an evolutionary process of where the idea of health and wellness and exercise came from to kind of give us a background. And then now, all of a sudden, in 2022, we've hit a bad place because really the marketing of health and wellness is all about making people feel bad. And then, of course, I know this is going to come as a shock to many of you, but there's also a racial component to it. The, 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 the health and wellness industry is, uh, is racist in the way they market. And so I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, this has just got to stop. I mean, I don't know what the point of this article is. I really, and again, if, if you've ever watched my uh YouTube channel book reviews, I always say that for a book to be reviewed well by me, I want it to have utility value. So if it's like uh, a book about flow from Stephen Kotler or a book about mindfulness from Dawson Church or a book about just how to think better by Adam Grant or something that, you know, habit forming by James Clear and Atomic Habits or how to be an, an entrepreneur and get a business started by James Altucher. For me to come on and recommend the book to you, it's got to have some utility value. It's got to have some actionable items that I can actually learn from that book and say, here, here you go. An article like this, I guess, is to be entertaining, but it seems like it's it's written more as an educational article, and I just don't know the point of telling people, hey, modern-day fitness and the marketing of it is bad. Um, So here's... Here's where we start out. Of course, you know, this is a person that is probably not all that fit. Um, here's what she starts out. Luckier those for whom the benefits of vigorous exercise are more or less the unintentional effects of something they love to do. I am not one of them. My friends have heard me declare that I like to swim. But what I really like is not so much moving purposefully, purposefully through water as being immersed in it like a tea bag. I like to walk, 
but would I do it quite so much if I had not? In a self-sabotaging form of rebellion against the Southern California car culture in which I grew up, refused to learn to drive? During the pandemic, I secretly relished the fact that my yoga classes had switched to Zoom at home with my camera turned off. I could look at my phone or play with the dog when other students were asking the instructor to help them refine their asanas. The dog showed a keen interest in my practice. Okay, so let's let's just kind of unpack where Ms. Uh, Talbot starts off. So she's saying that first of all, I'm not gonna. I don't like to focus on things. I don't like to focus on the task at hand if it's something that I don't really want to do. I like to do the proverbial multitasking that so many other people do because, after all, you know, being in a, first of all, you're in a yoga class. The whole idea is movable meditation, but you like that you can turn it, you can do it on Zoom and turn the camera off and check your phone. So you've already decided that this is something you don't like. This is something you're just kind of forcing yourself to do. And really, you like the fact that you're able to half-ass it. That's what makes you happy. And so we kind of get an idea of what kind of person this is. And so to tell a person like that, hey, if you do this right, then you can have incredible benefits. But also notice this, notice this, my friends, good exercise and people who really get lean and fit and are able to talk about things like their BMI, their VO2 max, their their resting heart rate, their their variable their heart rate variability, those types of people, well they're just lucky. They just happen to like it. But what if you're somebody who doesn't like it? Let me tell you something. Uh, Margaret, let me tell you something. Maggie, I did not really enjoy doing a farmer's walk with two 45-pound kettle bags for a half a mile yesterday after I completed my workout. I didn't really enjoy that. That wasn't fun. My hands hurt. My arms were burning. But the benefit, the why, maybe you should check out, hey, Margaret, here's a good idea. Why don't you go read Man's Search for Meaning? I talk about it a lot on my podcast. Why don't you go check that out, sweetie? Because here's the deal. You will find that if you can have a big enough why, like Nietzsche, who you probably love, if you can find a big enough why, you can overcome almost any how. You see, it's this crazy thing. The getting in shape and getting in good health is not all about just doing stuff you like. It's not. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't like. And what people try to do is they show you the benefits of that through, yes, an aesthetic. It's hard to find if you're advertising an athletic program, a health and wellness program. It's kind of difficult to find a big, fat, type 2 diabetic at-risk person to put on the cover or put in your magazine or put on the commercial and go, hey, join our gym and be like that. It just doesn't really work. That's just how advertising is. Now, I guess, I guess Margaret might be happier if they were to just post metrics on BMI and those other markers that I talked about. But even those have been considered shameful, right? Because the, the because there's a correlation, right? If you're extremely overweight, you're probably going to have some hypertension. Your BMI is going to be, uh, it's going to be higher. Your body fat percentage is going to be high. So we can't. Really, to make Margaret happy, you can't advertise the physical look of, hey, you could maybe not be this fit, this lean. You may not look like Greg Abaddon because you join the Ladders app, but you could actually 
lower your BMI. You could live longer. You could live healthier. You could hey, for someone like Margaret, you could help lower national health care costs by being healthier. So you could be a better member of the collective to speak most likely Margaret's language. But you can't even do that because to be a better member of the collective that requires something that only you can do. Yeah, see, people who love the collective don't like to tell the individuals in the collective that they have to take a lot of responsibility and may actually have to hurt. They would rather sit in the pool like a teabag. So anyway, I continue. My husband, on the other hand, has a positive mania for basketball. Now 62, he has been playing multiple times a week for more than two decades. He went back to the sport after breaking his ankle in a one-on-one game years ago. And again, after a basketball sailed into his eyeball and detracted from his and de- detached from his retina a couple months ago. Sure, he knows that the cardiovascular workout is a boon. On days when his shot is off, he'll say, well, at least I ran around. But it's the game he loves. Unlike him, I have pretty much always had, had to cajole and guilt trip and science-splain myself into exercising, even though I know from experience that I feel better, lighter, calmer afterwards. Hmm. Hmm. But that's not enough. Okay. There have been long periods of my life when I didn't even try. This means that I am a, I'm as familiar with the discourse about exercise as with exercise itself. I'm surely not the only one. The history of fitness in, is in large part the history of admonishments to become fit and of advice on how and why to do so. And then she goes into this long diatribe of how exercise and the fitness industry evolved, the genesis of it. Basically, all the ways that people decided, hmm, two, two things that this lady doesn't like. Hmm. One, you should go be healthy. Two, I'm going to figure out how to help you make yourself healthy. I'm going to show you some ways, and I want you to pay me to do that. So, Now you've got that darn evil capitalism attached to the fitness industry. That is no bueno for Margaret. In the charming and idiosyncratic new book, Sweat, A History of Exercise, that sounds like a page turner, the writer and photographer Bill Hades tells of the little-known story of of an unassuming British epidemiologist named Jeremy Morris who starting in the late 1940s, I'm glad we're up to date. We're really, this is, this is going to really help us today. By the way, in 2022, whenever we, whenever, you know, silly people like me will look to Ben Greenfield and Peter Atia and guys like that, David Sinclair, who understand all, the, all these amazing biometrics that uh, markers that we have to see where our body really is internally, regardless of what we look outside, what we're looking internally to see Are we healthy? Are we not? Are we improving our chances of longevity and health and wellness for the long term? While we're looking at those things, I'm glad there's somebody out there letting us know about some dude from the 40s that talked about exercise. This is good stuff. This is is really good. I I can't wait. I'm I'm just, I'm ready to jump right back into this. I know that you're on the edge of your seat, ready to hear what this dude from the 40s had to say about exercise because it's so relevant in 2022. Brought quantitative methods to observations of physical activity. Morris has sometimes been called the man who invented exercise. That would be a stretch, Hayes says. But, the, but he can be called the man who invented the field of exercise science. 
Morris and his research group studied thousands of London transit workers who operated in pairs on the city's trams and double-decker buses. The drivers sat for 90% of their shifts, while the conductors hopped on and off the vehicles and climbed up and down the stairs of the double-deckers, collecting tickets. In a study first published in The Lancet in 1953, Morris's team showed that the conductors had far less coronary disease than the drivers, and that when they did have it, they developed it much later. Moreover, he went on to demonstrate that the outcome was independent of the body size. The London Transportation Agency um, obligingly provided him with the waistband sizes of its employees, so he was able to determine that the conductors had a lower risk of heart attack where whatever their girth. Morris went on to compare postal workers who delivered mail by foot to civil servants with office jobs and turned up similar results. His findings were not immediately embraced. Many experts were dubious that exercise alone could make so much a difference, make so much difference. But the work inspired waves of new research that corroborated and expanded on it. So I will give him that. Yes, okay, at least someone way back when, let's give credit where credit's due, was able to start looking and go, hmm, I wonder what exercise does for you. So, okay. But now, let's move ahead. Here's where we get to the good stuff. Now, mind you, well, I'm not. I'm going to save my editorial comments for after I read this. Here, here we go. Now, let's bring it to 2022, which, by the way, 2022... America's a hellscape. It's horrible. It's awful. It's about as bad as it's ever been in America. It would Now, this is the same person who would tell you that back in the 1940s, it was really bad in America. But, you know, 2022, we know, is just awful. And as David Spade said in Tommy Boy, I hope you can pick up on my sarcasm because I'm landing on pretty thick. All right. The same cannot be said of many contemporary exercise prostylizers and of the fitness industrial complex in general. Modern fitness is shaped by neoliberal ideas of the optimizable self, by consumer capitalism, by race and class privilege, and by gender norms. In my lifetime, I've seen the image of the thin yet ripped body transformed into something desirable and maybe athletic into a powerful signifier of ambition, affluence, and self-respect. Both images are sellable, but the second is more insidious. The fitness industry has a history of exclusion, catering to, oh my God, here comes the worst among us, of exclusion, catering to middle and upper class white people with disposable income. Freeman writes in Let's Get Physical. Now that sounds like one. You know, I'm not going to read, I'm going to put Ben Greenfield's Boundless book aside and go grab myself a copy of Let's Get Physical, because that one sounds like it's going to really light me up. Just as the rich get richer, oh, those bastards, the fit get the fit tend to get fitter, and too often the poor get sicker. And then there's the problematic fact that exercising has for several decades been linked to virtue. Oh, my God, creating stigmas against people who can't or don't want to or even don't look like they work out. As Mark Grief writes in his wonderfully cause, caustic 2004 essay, Against Exercise, the modern exercise regime lumps the non-exerciser with other unfortunates whom we socially discount, the slow, the elderly, the helpless, the poor. 
Oh my gosh. And then it goes, okay, so let me, all right, here we go. Here's the editorial portion. I think I was on the podcast talking to somebody not too long ago, and we were talking about how time, a lot of people say they don't have time to exercise. And, and one of Jocko Willink's famous uh, advices or uh, pieces of advice to those who say they don't have enough time is like, okay, fine. I tell you what, work out for two minutes. I can't do anything for two minutes. You can't, come on. What? He's like, okay, I tell you what, you can't get your heart rate up for two minutes. Go do two minutes of burpees. Straight. Two minutes straight of burpees. Go. Okay? Requires no money, no membership. You can do it pretty much anywhere. You can do it at, as long as there's earth to stand on, as long as there's gravity, uh, it works. It does not care about your credit score. It doesn't care about your socioeconomic you know, standing. You don't have to do these things. And it, it's fascinating that you can have people that, uh, well, I mean, I, I realize it's fictitious to some degree, but look at the story of Sylvester Stallone and Rocky and how, look at his training versus that, uh, well, let's go to Rocky Four. Look at his training versus that of Ivan Drago. Or in Rocky One, where he's going through the meat, meat locker, beating on sides of meat instead of heavy bags and being in a gym. And the, of the gyms that he went to, the first one was Mighty Mix Gym. I mean, and I know that's, again, that's fiction, but at the time when Rocky was, um, or when Sylvester Stallone was trying to get Rocky made, the, there's the famous story that he actually had to pawn his dog to get the mood to keep going at the time he was so broke and also he w- he held out until he was actually hired by the people that finally decided to make the movie he was like I will not sell you this movie even though I'm broke and I've had to pawn my dog I care enough about it that I'm not going to sell you the rights to this film unless I get to play the lead role no one can play Rocky like me so there is, there's a little bit of, of uh, I guess, what is it, fantasy mimicking reality there. And, but you read this and it's like, the only reason, it's like you have to, can you even market? There's always going to be people that have reasons why a certain market is not appropriate to them. I am not, like right now, I love watches and I cannot under any circumstance purchase a certain watch that I want. Yet, I can assure you I'm going to look at advertisements for that. So now, should I start bashing the luxury watch industry because I cannot afford that watch and may never be able to afford that watch? Do they deserve to be bashed? Or do I need to maybe take some ownership and exercise some agency and say, you know, there are some people who, due to either pure dumb luck, inheritance, or maybe, just maybe, some hard freaking work have attained the ability to have that watch that that advertiser is marketing to. I just don't happen to be in that segment and that's okay. And here's another thing too, where she talks about how lumping everyone in. Let me tell you something. And this is one of the things that I have been frustrated about more than once. How many times have you ever sat down to a dinner where you decide you were like me, I'm not a drinker. And the other people at the table, they're drinkers. And they start saying, oh, come on, come on, Will. And they start telling y'all, well, you know, I think that drinking is good. And they start going into all this crap. Now, and they treat it as though you have tried to proselytize them into not drinking when all you said was, no thanks. I, Frankly, I make a point to do that. I always just say, no thanks, I'm good. 
I don't come out and go, no thanks, I do not drink alcohol under any circumstance. If you're that kind of person, well, you're kind of a jackass. Just say, no, thank you. You don't have to make your proclamation that you don't drink. But whenever the other members of the table start to make you not drinking about them, that's when, frankly, I just get pissed. And that's what I see this lady being, is somebody like this, that that all of a sudden, the people who do workout exercise, and you know what? Look, the bottom line is, Maybe they are ambitious. Maybe that maybe there is a correlation between somebody that is healthy and fit and disciplined. Maybe, just maybe, the things that make them healthy and well and fit correlate to their success in other areas of life. And that is not reserved to a certain race or class or anything. It's 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 just a matter of like I'll tell you right now. I, I, I am a little bit discriminating in nature in the, in this instance. Okay, I, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And when I see, and, and so this is why Margaret probably wouldn't like me. I don't know. She'd probably really jump on me about what I'm about to tell you. I have a hard time taking seriously uh, the, the teachings of a big, fat preacher. I mean, I just, there's, there's, it's just, to me, it's hypocrisy on display. Okay. And again, this is as a believer, this is a Christian. And, and I'm not saying it's a bad person. I'm just saying, okay, you're telling me to practice the fruit of the spirits. One of which is self-control. If you're a Christian preacher, you're telling me that my body is the temple of God yet. Okay. Maybe you don't smoke, maybe you don't drink, but brother, you, you're obese and so you're destroying your body in another way. But you know, again, we have these categories of, you know, we will excuse this bad behavior, but we won't excuse this bad behavior. We have all these taboos around certain things when in the end of the day, if you're if you're fat and obese and your BMI is 43, you know, well, why are you thinking you're better than the person who smokes? You know, both of you are destroying your bodies. You're just going about it different ways. You're both going to die sooner than, on average, than the person who is healthy. So I just don't, and what the, the thing that really just grinds my gears on this thing is this article, it gives excuse for people like her. When people like her that are like-minded They don't like to exercise. They don't find it enjoyable. They know the benefits. They know that they'll feel better if they do it. But they read this article. That's what is that going to do? That's going to, is it, again, it goes back to that utility value. Is it going to be more likely to cause that person reading it to go, you know what? I'm going to go exercise. Or to be able to go, you know what? Screw it. Margaret, you're right. I don't have to exercise. And by the way, I can't stand this company that says that I have to look like that. No, how about this? How about not placing so much freaking value on what others say? How about deciding that marketers and advertisers and commercialism doesn't define you? That you can have any of those images and be so confident and comfortable in your mission and in your why and who you are and what you're trying to achieve that the advertisers' words Images, the people that they use have no impact on you. Or better yet, you're so freaking confident that you go, hmm, there's Greg Avedon. That dude is ripped. He is in incredible health. I will probably not, I'll probably not get to where he is because let's face it, that is a paid fitness. That guy is paid to be in shape. And I'm not. But, 
but maybe there's something I can learn from Greg Avedon to make myself better. Why does everything have to be this catered message to make everyone feel better about themselves? It's really getting old. And I, I and I and having gone through the last two years of no mention of health and wellness and exercise to help combat this pandemic that we've all endured, it's just it's just getting a little frustrating. It's getting a little frustrating. And then when you still see articles like this, this lady instead should be like, you know what? I hate it, but I'm going to go find out what it's like. I'm going to go live that lifestyle for a while. And then, you know, it's kind of like agape love. Feelings follow action. Get up. Don't just be the teabag. And by the way, your husband, her husband is right. And most of the health and wellness experts that I listen to these days, like Ben Greenfield, like Mark Sisson, all these guys, they'll tell you, hey, it doesn't have to be a soul-crushing workout. And you're probably not going to look like Ben Greenfield, who literally is that's what he does as a profession is stay in shape. And his this his body is a reflection of what he does to make his living. But even those guys will tell you, just get out and move. Go for a walk. And it, that doesn't cost any money. And, and, you know, and what's weird is, you know, I've got a buddy who is a, a top executive for Planet Fitness. And that is a huge, one of the largest gyms in the country now and they advertise to everyday people for 10 bucks a month they've so so let's let's this is where i've seen the fitness industry go they them crunch snap all these i don't go to gyms but i but i see their advertising and it seems to me they're advertising towards people who don't want to spend a lot of money who don't have equipment at home who want to go to a gym and by the way if you go to planet fitness you better not wear skimpy clothes they're uh, for everybody so it seems like maybe this lady's not, I don't know what she's looking at, or maybe, Margaret, just maybe, maybe, there is a segment of the fitness industry that is marketing to people, and I'll, I'll say it, like me, like me, who are nothing like you, who even though I don't like going out and sweating and, and my head spinning sometimes and working out when I don't want to, I'm going to do it anyway because I want to live longer for my family. I'm willing to sacrifice for my family. And it's not all just some vain pursuit based on how I look. And also, maybe they're advertising towards people like me who I'm interested. I want to hear the message. I want to hear how to get better. I'm okay with the fact that I am not Ben Greenfield, but I'd be even worse not getting to hear what Ben Greenfield does, not getting to hear about the things that these people do. So anyway, it's just it's just maddening to me. And then she goes, my more recently, Hayes and his partner, Oliver Sachs, the brilliant neurologist and writer, began swimming wherever we could, in cold mountain lakes and salty seas and in New York's overchlorinated public pools. After Sachs died in 2015, Hayes lost his passion for exercise. When he first went back to it, he was mainly attempting to regulate his weight and blood pressure, both of which had crept up. But when he started to swim again, he soon recovered. The intrinsic rhythms, his body remembered how to do how to do a dolphin kick. His mind, how to wander. And I read Hayes' account. His lightheartedness, as I read Hayes' account, his lightheartedness made me think of certain kinds of movement that we indulge that we indulge in as kids but very seldom uh, revisit as adults. 
Skipping, for instance, which looks like a ridiculous, but a, but is hella fun. I love how she pops in her freaking pop culture <laughs> style, style of language. I got to read that again just because it's so stupid. Um, what does it say? Skipping, for instance, which looks ridiculous, but is hella fun. And you remember earlier she was science-splaining. Wow, writing at the New Yorker is uh, writing at the New Yorker is really at an all-time high. Or rolling like a barrel down a grassy hill. Hayes doesn't do either of those, but he does try running naked, which has which was how athletes competed in the original Olympics. At Sack's house in the country one day, Hayes runs down the quarter-mile driveway and back in the buff. In case you were wondering, there was jo- there was some jostling down below. He reports. But within seconds, my testicles retracted and scrotum followed as if shrink-wrapping my balls. And he soon finds himself sporting nature's own jockstrap. So that's how they managed it in Marathon. The experiment proves vital while powerful. For many of us, with our gym memberships, our wearable technology, and our hope-scrolling, hope-scrolling, Through longevity research and dieting tips, joy in movement is no longer the primary motivation to exercise. Haynes' exuberant book tells what awaits if we can only make it so. So here's the point that the lady misses, I think, is that you don't have to go into all... Look at this. Here's where I was talking about earlier. She uh, talks about... Anecdotally, they had observed the differences in physical activity on the job could lead to differences in lifespan. As early as the 1619s, 1690s, the Italian doctor Bernardino Ramazzini, comparing the health of various tradesmen, had noted that professional foot messengers fared better than tailors and cobblers. Let tailors be advised to take physical exercise at any rate on holidays. Ramazzini counseled in 1713 let them make the best use they can of some of some one day and some to con- counteract the harm wait a minute can of some one day and so to counteract the harm done by many days of sedentary life so i guess you know okay to kind of look at this from a little bit more of an optimistic view she's saying that and i guess she's promoting this book that's ba- that this guy wrote. That's basically like, look, it doesn't always have to be. Whenever you're talking about exercise, it doesn't always have to be about, um, you know, going out and crushing it and looking better and all these sorts of things. That it can just be fun, just to get out and move. And I and that I'm on board with. I fully agree. As a matter of fact, I give that advice all the time. You don't have to do a soul crushing workout. Just go ride a bike for 30 minutes. Go walk for 30 minutes. Uh, many of you that have talked to me, I've told you just every you know two minutes throughout the day, two minutes. Five times, that's 10 minutes of exercise. Get up. I will get up right from this chair probably whenever I'm through filming this and and recording this and just do some jumping jacks and some air squats. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to do all these other things. I think that you you don't have to bash and bring in all this negative crap about, you know, how you, that the advertisement and the marketing and the fitness industry, somehow if you both fit, and wealthy and ambitious and you're an achiever, that there's something bad about that. I'm so sick of people bashing people for good behavior. It's just bull crap. And I think it needs to stop. And I think that she could have just said, hey, you know what? If you're like me and you don't like to exercise, it's okay. 
Don't call it exercise. Go jump rope. Go skip rope. Hell, go skip down. Remember that um, prancer size, that lady that would do that weird prancing? She was goofy looking and weird, and but you know what? God bless her. It was fun. Who can't do that? Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter where you live. Um, you can get out. You can stand in your room if you're scared to go outside because you think your neighborhood's too bad. Go and stand in your room or whatever and do some jumping jacks. Do some do some burpees. Do some push ups. Do some sit ups. Anyway, all right. Well, I spent the best Friday ever ranting as though it was the worst Friday ever, but it wasn't. It was a good Friday. It's a great Friday. It's going to be an even better Friday whenever I get off this. It's going to be amazing. And what I want you guys to do is just realize, you know, one, be so confident in who you are that you're not impacted by the marketing and the advertising. Turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Get fit because you want to live longer. Get fit for, and if you want to look good, if you want six-pack abs, I'll never forget my sister-in-law asked me one time while I, why I was uh, eating keto. She said, why do you want, uh, are you wanting to get abs? To which I was like, well, first of all, the completely egotistical side of me said, hey, sister, I've already got abs, okay? But then the second part was like, hey, you know what? I'm not that guy, and a lot of us aren't. We don't only eat because of what we might look like. And that's who I hope you are. I hope that when you hear about health and wellness, and even if you see the most ripped guy advertising for some fitness program that he'll go, that guy gets paid to be ripped. I'm not going to be paid to be ripped, but that's not going to stop me from adopting some of those habits and aspiring to be better than I currently am so that I can start to be healthier. I can be better suited to be a good father, a good husband, that I'll have better sex because my libido will be better. I will be able to go on long walks with my wife because my cardiovascular health is better. You know, every, and it just, it all ties together. But you know what? Look, there are some people that look, they're just in it for the vanity and marketers are always going to, you know, go after that Margaret, but you know, that's okay. There's some of us out here that have our own brains that actually exercise agency and it doesn't matter what they say. We're going to do it for other reasons. So with that, I hope you have the best Friday ever. I really appreciate you listening to the show today this has been fun and hey don't forget go out to jasonrightnow.com and check out the six-week vitruvian challenge and if you have not signed up for the vitruvian letter please do so at jasonrightnow.com this is my newsletter where i just talk about all the things that i'm doing to try to improve always in all ways doesn't have quite the circulation of margaret and the new yorker but um when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think you're probably going to get better information, so check it out. All right, thanks. Have a good one. I'm Jason, and I'm out.